Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 164. This week on the show, I've got an awesome conversation with Max Fire of the band Lost Hearts. Um, if you're not familiar with them, that's okay. They're a new band, um, been around for just a few months now, but already starting to make waves and really uh, developing their own sound. And we talked a lot about kind of their background and the origins of the band. Um, we also talked about their backgrounds. Um, all the guys have been in different tribute bands and things like that. Uh, so, you know, moving from playing all of these tri- tribute songs to creating a project where you're doing original work and what all goes into that and the motivations behind it and just the the experience that he's had so far. So um, it's an awesome conversation. We also touched on the two singles that they've already released, um, as well as what the plans are for the future and kind of some of the recognition that they're already getting um, in the music scene as a whole. So Let's do it. Let's dive into this conversation with Max Fire of the band Lost Hearts. So awesome, man. Uh, so to kick things off, I do start with the same boring ass question every time. Simple introduction, kind of uh, who you are, little background on yourself, and why are we having this conversation? Yeah, sorry, I was just plugging in You're my fine. computer. You're fine. Um, yeah, so my name is Max. I play guitar and sing in the Lost Hearts. And um, yeah, we're a brand new band. I mean, we've been around maybe three months and uh, we have two songs out right now. And yeah, we're from Nashville and yeah. Yeah, so being a new band, let's talk about some of this. So obviously I was just exposed to you recently as well. Um, And in the the little press release that I got, uh, the background for you guys is a little bit interesting because you guys are all lead guitarists that came together. And then literally kind of, you know, rock, paper, scissors, flipped a coin to, all right, who's doing what? What went into kind of that setup for you guys as far as like knowing that this is the crew that we want and we're going to make it work? Yeah, so the way it sort of happened was that me and Victor met through, who is one of the other guitar players, we met through um, playing in tribute bands. And so I was with the um, a Van Halen tribute band playing all the Eddie Van Halen stuff. And he was doing Def Leppard, doing all like the Vivian Campbell, Steve Clark stuff. And so, but the bands were the same three guys other than mm. us. Like, so it was the same drummer and the same bass player and the same singer in both the bands. And then just, you know, we were the guitarists. But yeah, so he called me one day. We had actually never met, but he called me because he was playing with another band called native sons and Mm -hmm. um yeah so he was playing with them and their guitarist quit like a week before a show like a big show like it was monsters on the mountain like vince night ranger and we were like okay and so he called me he's like hey can you learn these songs in a week it was literally like a week before the show i'm like yeah man okay like i listened to the songs i was like it's not that crazy like it was hard but it was right. not like Ingve or something. I was like, okay, I, this is reasonable. I can do it, you right. know? And so 
I learned the songs, like went up to rehearse with them. And that was the first time I met Victor and we became friends like instantly, man. We just got along and like we hung out that weekend and had a great time. And so yeah, I came back and we started jamming and everything. And, um, you know, and then he, I was just filling in, but the guy they got for Native Sons was actually JT, the other member of the band. Mm -hmm. And so we all started kind of writing songs together and, um, you know, it just kind of turned, it didn't really start that way. It just turned into like a band, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's the way it went is we all just kind of got together and started writing songs with not a real like agenda, just kind of hanging out. We were all friends and then, you know, it went from there. And then the only member we really sought out was a drummer once we decided that we wanted to do something. And yeah, uh, yeah as far as the instruments go, like, yeah, between the three of us, and Mitch just happened to be a guitar player as well, but we were looking and we were like, man, like, you know, we all play guitar and I was, they were like, okay, well you sing, you sing the best. I'm like, okay, I'll sing obviously. And then after that, I was like, well, I don't care who plays bass and who plays guitar as long as I'm not playing bass. You know, that's all I care about. Right. <laughs> as long as I can play guitar, I don't care what you guys do. And so no, but they, they actually switch off. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. in a live show, they kind of switch back and forth, which I've actually seen Pearl Jam do too. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, so I think it's kind of cool, kind of adds to the show and everything. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, obviously, like the longstanding tradition is everybody plays one instrument, you know, maybe switches out uh, like an acoustic or, you know, yeah. maybe like if you're getting weird, a banjo or something, but typically it's it's kind of that same structure um but i do think it's it's cool and interesting it adds a little um live show flavor to be able to flop your bassist back and forth yeah well now that you say that i'm gonna uh i'm gonna put down the guitar i'm gonna start doing strictly banjo hey you know some people make a lot of money doing that shit so why not right <laughs> i'm gonna try it man i'm gonna try it um so let's talk a little bit about you know coming from the the tribute band side of stuff and like you said kind of getting with the guys writing some songs what was kind of that click moment that we want to write original stuff and it's not just about the tribute yeah i mean i've been in tribute bands since i was 14 years old and uh you know i'm i'm 20 now i just my birthday was a couple days ago and happy birthday uh, Thank you. Thank you. But, um, yeah, so I've, I've played covers all my life and I've enjoyed it. I'm not gonna say I haven't because I've really enjoyed it. I don't hate it right. that, uh, for one minute, but, um, you know, I've always had a great time and, you know, to be honest with you, I've even, you know, made some decent money doing it, you know, especially for like when I was a teenager, I was like doing pretty well, man, you know, like making right. tribute band money when I was like 16 and 17, I was not upset about that. And, uh, but the thing is, is that I think there's that kind of ceiling there of like mm -hmm. where you can get. And it's like, it's an odd kind of phenomenon because people show up, like a lot of people show up, we'll play, okay, a thousand people show up, but you know, those people don't really care about you. And I hate to put it that way, but right. they're not there to see you. They're there to see, van halen or def leopard music you know what i mean right. 
yeah. they're there to see them, a recreation of that. And that's cool. But at the end of the day, I've always wanted to do something original. You know, I love playing music no matter what. And I think the other guys are in the same boat as me. Like, I've always wanted to do something original. And, you know, it's like if there's a time for me to do it, it's now for me to really kind of go and try to grab that brass ring because, yeah. you know, it's like if I'll be honest with you, if this doesn't work out or if any nothing original for me works out by the time I'm like 30 or 35, then, yeah, maybe I'll go back and revisit like, okay, I'll, maybe I'll play in a cover band or maybe I'll try to be like a hired gun for an artist or go play for somebody. But as of now, like I'm young, I'm 20, you know, like I might as well try to really go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And put my focus on that. And then if it doesn't work out, then maybe I'll do something else. But, yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's a, a great point that, you know, so often people are kind of afraid to start taking that step, right? Like, you yeah. know, being young, it's like, oh, uh, but I'm comfortable with what I'm doing. So why would I risk it? And it's like, well, then where's, where's your passion really lie? And I think it's obvious for you that, you know, it's definitely a, I want to play music. And I, I totally get what you're saying on the cover band thing, right? Like you could go see 20 cover bands, maybe even 20 of the same type, Def Leppard or whoever, but you're very rarely, if ever going to get somebody that's like, well, I'm going because Max is in that band. Whereas now with Lost Hearts, it's like, no, I want to go see Lost Hearts. I want to go see Max yeah. and Victor and the boys, you know? So I think, I think you're on to something there as far as like the vision for that. I appreciate it, man. That's what gets me excited. You know what I mean? That's what gets me excited is like, okay, this is something that is mine and something that is all ours, you know, with the other guys. Like, I think it's, it excites me a lot, you know, yeah. as opposed to, you know it's a tribute band. Okay. Show up, play and do all the stuff, but you know, it's not really, it doesn't feel as much like it's mine, even if it were to be my tribute band, you know, I think it still wouldn't feel as much like mine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, like you said, the glass ceiling that's, that's there, like you can't write a new Van Halen song, right? No. Like no. it, the discography exists. People are coming to hear the same songs. Yeah that's all they want out of it. So I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I'm, it, it's nice to hear that you've got that vision for it already as well, that like, I kind of know the limitations of what I've done and not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but like, what's the furthest you're going to travel in a tribute band realistically, a couple yeah. States away, maybe, you know, you're never going to get the world tour, any of that, but as yeah. lost hearts, there's yeah. potential to get to that level. There is. And I'll be honest with you, there's original bands that don't make as much as tribute bands. You know yeah. what I mean? Like tribute bands, if they're done right, I mean, there are the ones like the Brit Floyd and stuff, and they play at like Red Rocks and like right. old theaters <laughs> and sell them out. And that's amazing to me. And that's pretty ridiculous. You can make really good money doing a tribute band, and you can make average money doing a tribute band. But it's like, it's not really... For me right now at this point in my life, it's not really a hundred percent about the money. You know what I mean? Right. Like I don't really, I try not to, of course, everybody likes making money. It feels good, but yeah. it's like, I try to not let that be the focus is like, if I can put this off and focus on this, I think I'm going to make not even just more money in the long term. I could make more money in the long term, but I think I'm just going to have a better future. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that that's the key is like, 
I talk a lot on the podcast to all kinds of different, different artists about like, there's different measures of success. Like, obviously we all want millions of dollars because we live in America and, you know, we're yeah. a capitalist nation, but, you know, at the same time, the level of success maybe for you is being that household name 10 years from now. And people are like, man, have you checked out this new Lost Hearts album? Have you went and seen them? You know, things like that. There's, there's so many different variables in it. And I think it's cool that, again, at 20 years old, not to keep harping on your age, but at 20 years old, you're already looking at that aspect that, sure, maybe I can make a comfortable living, but will I be as happy as I could be even if I'm making a little less potentially. Right. No, absolutely. And it, it is a jump. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it's a jump from making money, like pretty much since I was like 14, I've gotten paid well for like playing music and to jump into the original music. Like we're a brand new band. We're not pulling it in. You know what I mean? Right. I mean we do all right, but we're not by any means, but it's not the focus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, and I'm still happy. And the way I've always felt about playing music is like, when you come off like a great show, like if you go play in front of a thousand people or even 200, like a great crowd, like, and it's fantastic and you play a great show and you have fun. When you get off stage, the last thing you're thinking about is how much money do we make tonight? Right. How much do we clear? You know, maybe if you play a terrible show, then you're thinking about that. But if you play an amazing show and you're having a great time, that's the last thing you're thinking about. It's always just kind of been like a bonus for me. Like, okay, you know, like I played a great show and then you get home and then a week later you get some money and you're like, Oh wow. Okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't, yeah. you know, and yeah, for sure. I, and I think, you know, a little bit, it's been brought up a, a lot lately in, in the music scene, but the only time I think that bands should even be thinking that is, with some of the venues that are taking the massive merch cuts. Sure. You probably question that a little bit, you know, oh, yeah. at the end of the night, you're like, fuck, what was 30% of my sales? Like, okay, that sucks. But no, I think, I think that is really cool of you that, you know, obviously you understand you need money and, and all that, but it's one of those, like the, I'm a firm believer of like what you put out is going to come back to you. Right. So like, if you put out a great, product in your your showmanship your album things like that like the money's going to come naturally because people enjoy what you're doing exactly and that's the thing like all these old bands are touring like kiss and aerosmith and all these bands like you really think they need the money because i don't think they do i mean obviously they make a ton of money but i think they truly do it because i think most people i think some people need the money but i think most of them go out there because like, it's fun, dude. Who doesn't want to get up there and play in front of 20,000 people and go yeah. travel across the world? I mean, it's hard work, but it's really fun. And it's just a different kind of experience than you get elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, talking back a little bit about the transition from cover band to original material, like, even if we're saying a thousand people, a thousand people singing a Van Halen song feels different than a thousand people singing a Lost Hearts song. Oh yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me if one person is out there singing <laughs> a song, I'm like, wow, they, they, yeah. know, the, they know our song, you yeah. know? 
Yeah, and cool. like you said, it it's early in the band, right? Like oh, you yeah. guys have two songs out. Let's talk about developing the sound because I think, you know, it's obvious on one hand, it's obvious that you guys come from kind of a cover background individually uh, because there's definitely the, the nod to the classic rock style. Yeah. But you guys have also through production and just the kind of the key signature and stuff, you've revamped it into this new age and it's this really cool blend of, of time periods. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, man. I mean, we, uh, it's weird because I don't, I don't think we set out with any intention of how to sound really. It was just kind of like, we knew one thing we were like, let's not like get in here and stroke our own ego. You know what I mean? Let's not like sit here and try to be cool and try to be like, Oh, we're going to do this. We knew we didn't want to be like crazy technical because you know, I think we've all been in bands like that, that were more technical and it's like, it's cool and I enjoy it. But I, I, at the same time, like, that's not really what I see myself doing. Yeah. And uh, so we were like, Hey, let's get in there. Let's have fun. Let's write good songs like hooky, you know, let's write simple kind of pop songs, pop rock, and let's just see what happens. And so that was the intention we set out with. And um, you know, that's kind of what, our sound has been so far. I mean, we, we like adding the modern production, honestly. I mean, everyone, and we use vintage stuff. Like you can see, like we use vintage Marshalls yeah. and we like like old guitars and, you know, real drums and stuff. But then we also like synths and stuff. And I like, I like that kind of stuff. Like even like, I like newer stuff, but I also like like Duran Duran and In Excess. Mm-hmm. Those bands of the eighties, I think. And Billy Idol is a great example of like, it doesn't just because it's electronic it doesn't mean it's bad music you right. know what i mean like there's a yeah. tasteful way of doing things i think and um you know we got in the studio and we started demoing and then we started working with our producer johnny k and mm-hmm. he's done everything from like disturbed to the plain white tees and you know interesting kind of realm of things three doors down and so he's coming at it from an interesting angle you know what yeah. i mean like and so, yeah, there are definitely vintage elements, but we try to, uh, you know, keep it somewhat modern and not like we're, we're dinosaurs or something. Right. Just, and also not like you're just kind of rehashing the same thing, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, you mentioned Johnny, and I think that's a, a great point for you guys. Obviously, it's a great grab as a producer, period, but to have someone that is so well-versed, you know, going from like disturbed heavy stuff all the way over to plain white tees, like yeah, the, the dude has seen kind of everything and knows, okay, like we can easily mix these two elements and maybe sneak this in there. And this is going to be, you know, without like trying to quote unquote construct the, the most catchy song, like it's going to happen because he knows where those elements live. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, we, uh, we really enjoy working with him. We were, we started working with him and we were enjoying it, but we were kind of like, we didn't really know what to expect. You know what I mean? We yeah. were like, and we were recording all these like heavy guitars and stuff. And he's like, we were like, Oh man, like, I hope it, and we were working on the first song and we we're like, man, I hope this isn't going to end up sounding like metal. Right. Or like crazy heavy or something. We we're like, we were kind of nervous about it. And when we like, but when we got the mix back, it like all made sense because we were, he was had he's kind of 
he's really smart, man, with the way he does things. And like, I can see why he's done so much is because his mind works differently. Yeah. And he'll, he'll hear something. He'll be like, okay, do this. And then he'll record it. And then he won't, he won't put it in the mix. He'll just like, leave it. He's like, okay, now do this. Okay. Now do this. And you'll record like all these different layers and then it all fits in. Like when he puts it in, it's like, oh, okay. That now it all makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But if yeah, you dude. isolate the parts, they're so strange and like even harmonies and stuff. And, but it all makes sense. And it's, it's been a serious game changer to work with somebody like that. Yeah, for sure. And that, that's exactly what I was going to say is that, you know, working with someone that has done it as long as he has, and is able to do exactly what you just said, where it's like, okay, I want you to play, you know, this chord this way, do this thing, and then not even put it in the mix, move on to the next thing. And then by the time you get to the end, you're like, man, that was a bunch of just random shit. And then you hear it and you're like, oh, like it built this, this beautiful element that came in here that I couldn't have heard just from the four note chord that you had me playing. Right. No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the songs, man. Um, you've got Hate Yourself Out, which was the first single. Uh, so let's start there. One thing I don't do, unless you feel like you want to talk about it that way. I don't normally ask like what the specifics about the song are, because I don't want to take away any connection that people have. But talk about kind of building that song and like getting in that headspace. Well, I respect that. I respect that because, you know, it's like, um, a lot of times, yeah, people ask and it's like kind of weird to say, because a lot of times, to be honest, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know where it came from. Like, I don't even know. Like, it just, I just, that song I was just playing on acoustic. Like, I was like coming with the chords that, and then that's just what came out. Like, I don't know. I don't, that's literally what I just started singing. I wasn't thinking about anybody. Right. Like, you know, people would be like, did you write about this? Did you write about that? I'm like, not really. And maybe it's in your subconscious. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if you're really going through something. But, you know, it just kind of came out naturally. And um, same thing with the other one, Night to Remember. is like if we come up with something, I'm usually just sitting in the studio. Like while the guys are there, I'm like, okay, writing lyrics. Like quick. Like just stuff that I can, uh, just stuff that I can put down. Right. And a lot of times it really doesn't end up being changed. Like we'll change like a few lines or maybe a few like words, but a lot of times we don't change it that much. Yeah. And uh, I've tried changing it and it just, sometimes it's not as good. Sometimes it's better, but a yeah, lot of well, times what first comes out is the best. And I think, you know, a lot of artists would agree with you on that is what tends to happen. And I've had this conversation with several people, you know, you you write your demo and you're like, oh, this is not anything like what it's going to end up like. Yeah. And then you end up loving the demo or the first master way better than anything else you came up with. Um, and I think, you know, to your point with the lyrics and stuff too, with this, especially this style of music, it's about like, yes, there's going to be messages and, you know, a meaning behind the songs, um, sometimes subconsciously. But I think the the cool thing about rock music is it's just really to have a good time. So like if the lyrics are just flowing out, who cares what the fuck they were? Is it fun? Does it keep the energy? Does it match what we need? I agree, man. I mean, look at like Van Halen lyrics back in the day. You're like, what? 
the David Lee Ross stuff, you're like, this makes no sense at all, dude. But, you know, when you're drugged up as, as much as he was at the time. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It, sometimes it does. And I like to try to, you know, like, I haven't as much on these songs, but I like to try to get deep on certain stuff. And I like, I like a lot of writing and like, I like like Jim Morrison a lot. Like he was yeah. very deep and I like stuff like that, but it's not always fit. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't always fit. It's sometimes it's like, yeah, you just need a simple song. Yeah. And just, it doesn't have to be so complicated. And that's another way people just, like I said, stroke their own ego. They got to get on this like wild, like, Oh, this means this because of this. And they're like some guru or something. I'm like, it's rock and roll, man. You don't have to do all that. <laughs> like it's no. cool, but it's kind of lame at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, that's that's a big, big point that is lost on a lot of artists is that, you know, more often than not, especially the first few times that someone hears your song, they're not going to remember or even listen to the lyrics. They're listening to the music. So if the music base is there then the words on top are just extra, you know, icing on the cake. Um, now you don't want to be totally incoherent with them either, no. but you know, to your point with like Jim Morrison, right? Like that dude's an incredible storyteller, but it doesn't always have to be that way. It doesn't always have to be my own life experiences written out or whatever. Like sometimes I just want to have a good time or I want to write something that I'm angry about or whatever. And like, that's it. Take it at surface level. Well, and he would, man. He'd write like uh, a song like The Crystal Ship or like The End or something really deep. And then he'd yeah. go, love me two times, babe. Love me twice, two days. Like dead simple, you know? Yeah. That's the only lyrics in the song, you know? So it's like, you gotta, I feel like, know how to do both. And it doesn't always have to be complicated like that. A lot of iconic songs are not really that complicated. But I mean we'll we'll hit on it i don't care fuck them uh when you look at like popular radio now right like the number of songwriters that are credited on so much of today's like traditional pop music versus back in the day like you have 15 people credited on like a Nicki minaj song and it's like okay great but in 10 years is anybody going to remember that shit when here we are 30 40 years after ozzy and Jim Morrison and, you know, Bob Dylan going, man, that was a masterful piece of work. And it's one or two people credited on that song. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Just Freddie Mercury. Was it? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like, I, and that's the same thing I was talking with somebody earlier about. I was like, I, I hear a lot of stuff now, but I'm just like, will it stand the test of time? I really don't know. And I think with songwriting, there's like a good point. Like, to be honest with you, a lot of times I think songwriting is the best with two people. And I yes. think history will show you that, like all the classics, Lennon and McCartney and Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, like usually with those bands, like it's usually one or two guys writing the songs, you know? And it's, yeah. it's not, it's like, you can almost get like too many cooks in the kitchen. Like if you have too many people trying to steer the song, you're just going to go in circles, I think. And I mean, yeah. I don't know. And who knows, man, what those people are really doing. Maybe they add something and they're just like, okay, you wrote on it. I don't know. Cause I don't see how you could have 15 people. I know they have the writing credits. I don't see how you could have that many people writing a song in a room together. That'd right. be crazy. 
yeah no not, i'm sure you're right some of it is probably like just minor contributions like two or three people did lyrics and then this person changed you know whatever it's silly how that all works and it's also not to get into the nitty-gritty of the the music business for everybody but having your name credited on a song also means you're entitled to royalties so like cool that song popped off but now i have to split any money that comes in that many ways so that kind of sucks too instead of keeping it within a band or whatever um and i I think think it's funny what they did back in the day with like you'll go to like old ozzy records and it's like written by ozzy osbourne it's like Come on, man. I know that Ozzy yeah. did not sit down and like write the music for this. Like, come on. But they they did that a lot back in the day is like people would write and they just like kind of snub you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the big thing, though, is when you have the right group of people around you, which it sounds like you guys are definitely developing, the band itself is obviously the right people. Um, but, you know, like if you have the right people with Johnny and and maybe whoever else you've got production wise like okay cool i'm i'm fine splitting it six ways but i don't want to go past that where it's like hey everything this band's bringing in again not that it's entirely about money but the more ways you split it especially if a record label comes along and all the back pay that you have to do for that shit now i'm only getting six percent of a hundred percent paycheck you know Mm -hmm. it's crazy the way it works man because i mean you know what it's like a lot of that um spotify is not really where the money's at it doesn't seem to be but like with live performance and everything yeah it's even crazy splitting it that way i mean for us like it's easy but um, right you know with those bigger bands it's interesting to see the way they do it like i've heard things about like nikki six takes like 50 percent of everything motley crew and then the other guys just split the other 50% three ways. And it wouldn't surprise me because you know what? I mean, I'll give Nikki six credit, man. He, he was the one, he yeah. was the one that came in and said, Hey, well, you know what? This is what Molly crew is. And everybody was there and everybody, I think that's one of those bands where every guy was very, very important. Yeah. Yes. Anybody can try to take away from anybody, but even Vince, even Vince, dude, like it is, it's an iconic voice, man. You can't take that away from him. Yeah. You know, and maybe he didn't write any songs, but he was as important to that band as anybody. Yeah. And I I think, you know, the proof is in the fact that if you look at, and there's only so many bands in the, the world that you can do this with, but look at the roster and it's really hard to say, okay, we're going to substitute Tommy out for who, you know what I mean? Like, who are you going to put in? And, there are other bands that you can look at and be like, okay, but pretty much anybody could have done that part. Like I love Travis Barker, one of the best drummers of, of all time. Right. But he's in so many different projects and you can easily identify him. And it's like, okay, but would that album have worked if it wasn't for Travis, you know? Um, I, I dog on machine gun Kelly a little bit for that. Like would his album have popped off if Travis wouldn't have been involved? Maybe, maybe not, you know, who knows? Um, but the second that you hear any of those songs, you're like, oh, that's Travis Barker on drums. Cool. I got it. You know, for sure. Um, same for, Obvious, for Motley yeah. Crue. You, you hear Vinny's voice and it's immediate. Like, 
oh, that's that's Vinny. I got this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. The all the members were important, man. There's a lot like that, and then there's some who aren't. You know what I mean? It's kind of strange, but like there's ones where people wouldn't notice as much if somebody was missing. You know? Yeah. And bands well, like I mean, Foreigner and stuff that go out with like one original dude, but nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's insane too. I think that's kind of where it almost at that point feels like a cover band, right? Like Adam Lambert with Queen. Yeah, cool. You've written some original stuff since joining them, but like you're a cover band, right? Like you're just doing Freddie's part since Freddie's not here. Yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. I mean, you know, if I, I'm not going to say if somebody called me to be in Queen, I wouldn't do it. Well, yeah, no, that's <laughs> maybe a bad example on that one. But, yeah. you know, I, I do think that there are definitely bands to to kind of both of our points that, you know, you can replace members, whether they're alive or not. Um, and it still feels like that band, whereas other bands, you replace a member and it's like, oh, that really fucked up the sound. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's the hard part about kind of being in a band, I think, is that these bands get trapped. I was, I was saying that to somebody the other day. I was like, oh, we were talking about Tool. And I'm like, Maynard, man. And I'm like, but imagine that, like, because they were talking about all, like, all his side projects and stuff. And I'm like, but imagine that. Imagine you're in this band and you guys make it, you know, like you, you made it, the golden ticket. And then, like, this one guy just wants to kind of, like, dick around and just, like, go and make wine and like he doesn't want to do the band and you're just kind of sitting there like man let's go on tour let's do this and that and i don't know what the situation is but that's what it seems like and like this one dude is just like no like i'm good my other band (laughs) you know yeah well it's so annoying dude it's bizarre too like especially in like the the smaller scenes right now um smaller like pop punk bands and stuff like that there's a lot of like guitarists that jump from project to project or they're in multiple projects at one time. And it's like, okay, but like figuring out a tour has to be a goddamn nightmare, right? Like, Hey, we need you to go on tour with us, but you've got these shows with that band. Like, bro, just, you know, I, I hate to be that way, but like commit to something a hundred percent and like, see it out. I agree. And that's, uh, that's a big thing here in Nashville, to be honest with you, man, is like, everybody's in a few bands everybody and it's just like it is what it is dude people get feelings all the time like there's just there's not a lot you can do about that because you know it's just it's nashville everybody's in a few bands yeah well and that's kind of something i did want to touch on too you know when we talk about songwriting and stuff um nashville's known for the songwriting circles and and all that is that in the back of your mind for this project at all that like you've got that as a fail safe kind of thing that if you get stuck or whatever, that there are so many songwriting circles that you could jump into. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would, I would like to try it and just like, I never have, I never have, like I've written with people here, but I would like to go to like legit like rights and like sit down with people. I mean, of course people do all different genres and stuff and I would have to find the right people, but I would love to honestly. Cause like you can sit here and be like it's the same thing dude like stroking your own ego like oh well nobody can write for my band better than me but you know what 
a lot of bands in history have sought, you know, outward people and uh, it, it helps them. Like, I mean, even Kiss, like they wrote, uh, I was made for loving you with Desmond Child, you know, it's like yeah. a, it's a lot of people like that where it's like, you know, why not? I would love to. I mean, I'm, I, we're talking about the way the songwriting has been going has mainly been me and JT. And mm -hmm. uh, we sit there and like, hate yourself. I, I kind of just wrote, like I said, like the chords and the melody. And then we just demoed it. And that was the song. And then um, Night to Remember, we wrote more together in the room. But uh, and this new one I wrote and then we worked on it together. But I, I think what we're going to try for the next one is to go into the studio with more of like a blank slate. You know what I mean? Because every time it's been like we have a few finished songs and then we pick through the ideas and then decide which one to record for real. And I'd like to go in there with just like a few riffs or something or a few ideas mm -hmm. and just iron out like, OK, let's create this more from scratch with Johnny and see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, and you know something that I forget what artist told me that that they did it fairly recently, but they literally just wrote down like a ten or twelve bullet point list of like one or two words paired together, and those were the song idea structures. Like go in and and literally just have like angry breakup or angry and then something political or whatever it was. And that's how they figured it all out. And they, yeah. they came out with, they said some of their best work. And it was like, you know, to your point going in and just saying like, we don't, we don't necessarily know what we want to do, but we want something that we all can be a part of um, and, and build, you know, a, a whole house out of, um, you know, somebody has got to frame the door. Somebody has got to put the roof on, like, we're going to come up with ideas better together rather than coming in and i think you can attest to that like coming in after you've written a demo and then one of the guys be like not that you guys argue about it but one of the guys be like oh no it should be this riff instead it's like well but i already structured everything around that other riff you know yeah, exactly. but if you're building it together it's like cool let's pivot real quick try it if it works it works for sure for sure yeah it's more on the spot you know what i mean than like you can definitely get, and I, that's the thing that you have to try to do, I think, with songwriting is like, you get too locked into what you're doing. You know, you get too yeah. like, oh, well, I recorded it. And that's why we want to do this is because we're like, oh, we recorded the demo this way. That's the way it is. You know what I mean? And I don't want to be like that. I want to go in there more like, it's it just more of a sense of freedom, I think. And you can create what you want and what the other guys want, you know, without being too set in stone because usually what we do is we go in there and then the producer you know johnny will change like be like oh let's maybe change this part and all that whereas we can maybe come up with something together you know yeah yeah for sure um within that like i love talking about this with diy artists because i don't think casual fans or listeners fully understand it as much as i've beaten this dead horse Talk a little bit about having to be strategic in that stuff too, because it is coming out of your own pocket, right? Like, it's not like we can just go rent the studio for fucking three weeks and just chill. We have to know what we want to do to some extent if we're going to put the time and money in there. 
No, absolutely. You definitely have to be smart about it. And I, even if you have like funding behind you, you still have to be smart about what you do because you can just waste money so quick, so quick. And I think there's things that it's a hard balance. Like, okay, because yeah, you got to think about touring and, you know, playing shows and then you got to think about recording and then you got to think about what do I want to do, you know, about Spotify playlisting. Some of that takes money. You know what I mean? And some of the stuff like uh, social media ads take money. All this stuff takes money. And yeah. money's not everything, but money's pretty important when it comes to the music industry and like building a band. It just is. And, um, you know, even if a band sometimes looks like they came about naturally, doesn't mean they always did, you know? Right. And, um, you know, there's usually something behind it. And so, for us, it's like, we definitely try to be smart about the way we handle things. And like, you know, yeah, we're not gonna go in and record a whole album because people might not listen to it. You know what I mean? Right. Like if we go in there and we record a full album and then we release a couple singles and then people go and they, they might listen to the album, they might not. They'll probably just listen to the singles anyways. Yeah. And so you can have an album's worth of material and put it out as singles and then you know, later you've kind of marketed it as, Hey, here it is. This is our album. And, uh, that helps you more with like things like the algorithm and Spotify's yeah. algorithm and any algorithm, putting out music, keep people interested. We try to be smart about the shows we play and everything. Cause like, you know, we want to make sure like, if we're going, like we did a trip where we played the whiskey. And then we went and played in Vegas and it was cool. And it was very like strategic the way we did it because we went there. We, the whole thing started because we wanted to go to the NAM show mm -hmm. out in LA. And for people who don't know what NAM is, it's like a big musicians conference, you know, and it's like an expo, but all for like music equipment. And there's usually really cool people there. And we definitely met some cool people. But um, we wanted to go to that. And so we were like, hey, well, let's look what's going on at the whiskey. And so there's like, because we know those people who booked there and we're like, all right. And so we saw like, okay, well, this band's playing. Let's get on with them. There's a band called Roxy Blue. So we mm -hmm. got on with them. And then we're looking like, well, what about Vegas? We know that place in Vegas, the Count's Vamped. And it's like, okay, Enough's Enough is playing there. Perfect. We got on those two shows. Boom. Went to Nam. Got some like, got really lucky on the flights. You know what I mean? Like got yeah. like 80 bucks each way and we were like, perfect. And it just worked out. Like we got an Airbnb, just like an apartment. And you know, it was like all, all four of us were able to stay there. And that's how you kind of got to do it, man. You just got to yeah. be like, you got to be kind of smart about it and just think about how, how can I save a few bucks here? How can I save a few bucks there? Cause it really adds up quick. Yeah. And you well, want to make sure that you, you have to spend money, but you want to make sure that you're spending money to make money and not just spending unnecessary money because you can get lost quick. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, the, the other side of stuff that people don't think about too often is then you have merch when that comes into play, graphic designers for logos and album art and all that shit. Like people don't think about all the money that goes into even just a single, Everything. like... I had to pay a graphic designer, even if one of the guys does it, like there's still man hours that goes into every single thing that, that takes place. 
It's a lot, man. And that's the thing is everyone's like, and I agree like, oh, it's easier now to be an independent artist than ever. It's like, yeah, but being an independent artist kind of sucks. Like it's not fun. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not like, it's just like, oh, well, I'll just be an independent artist. Like, okay, you're never gonna sleep, dude. Yeah. We're gonna sleep. <laughs> like you're kind of falling apart over there. And like, you know, especially if you don't know what you're doing, it's just difficult. I mean, and yeah, that's why it's kind of funny when people just say like, oh, just be an independent artist. Don't get a record label. It's like, well, I want the record label, bro. Yeah. I want to show up. I want to show up. I want to write music. And I want to show up. I want to play live and do the fun stuff. You know, I don't want to sit here and book shows and work on a logo and worry about distro kid and getting my music playlisted. None of that stuff is really that fun. You know right. what I mean? I, wanna, I like doing stuff like interviews and playing music and traveling and creating. You know, I like that element much more. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, that's that's a key point, too, for anybody you know, that's thinking about that decision between like a label or staying independent. Not that there's anything wrong with being independent. It's just going to be a lot more fucking work on yourself. And even if you, because I know people are going to say this, well, but you could get a booking agent. You could get this. You can get that. Didn't we just talk about money? Like now I'm still paying motherfuckers to do the same thing that a record label could be taken care of for me. Exactly. And that's the thing with labels is like, as much as yeah, they might take money and they might do this and some things they might do are a little shady. Yeah. And they take your music and they own it. Yeah. I'm not gonna say they don't. But they have a system in place. And if I think a lot of people go, if they're an already established artist like Prince did or people and then they become an independent artist, that's one thing. But with the whole thing of like, how many people do you really see like shoot up and they get huge as an independent artist? Not many. Very, very if, few. If, if they do, no matter what genre they are, they have my respect. Yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah, for sure. And again, people are going to argue and say, oh, well, but in today's age, it's a lot easier. And it is. You could have a song go viral on TikTok. But at the same time, are you building longevity? Like what we were talking about earlier with, you know, you can create a whole album, but until people know the name, what's the point in putting out 12 songs instead of 12 singles? It doesn't make sense. So, um, and there've been plenty of, of artists that have had one or two songs blow up on TikTok, but then you go look at their Spotify numbers or whatever. And that's the only two things that are getting played is the songs that people hear on TikTok. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree with you. And I mean, you know, and that's the thing. I think there has to be a sort of well-balanced thing too. Like, I mean, because there's so much to being in a band, like, and especially trying to get somewhere is like, okay, so you got like, okay, yeah, obviously music is the first and foremost. You got to create music. You have to have songs. Okay. After that, you have to have social media. It is essential. I don't care what anybody says. It is essential in today's world. Like it's just where people go to. And so, yeah, you got to do the social media game. And then there's, you know, stuff like this, like the interviews and stuff like that and publicity. And then there's also playing live. And it's like, it's all a kind of balancing act because there's bands who do stuff like, okay, they have 
40,000 Instagram followers, but play a show. How many people are going to show up? Zero. Yeah. Zero. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, this is 40,000 people spread across maybe the whole entire globe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you gotta, I think there's an element of it that's like, you know, you have to get out there in front of people physically. For sure. And they're going to be more invested in you right off the bat because you're there in their face rather than on a screen. You know what I mean? But and you have to have both, of course. Yeah, for sure. And I think the thing with Instagram is it, technically all of the social medias, but, you know, there are some bands that obviously have just bought followers, right? And yeah. that is a thing that can happen. And sure, superficially cool. You have, like you said, 40,000 Instagram followers. Then why is it every time you post a picture or, or whatever, you get seven likes? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, something doesn't make sense here. So, oh, absolutely. And there's even people who build it naturally, but it's still just like not really, right. They're not getting anywhere. Like, they're not getting labels behind them or they're not getting shows. Like, they're just kind of just. Yeah playing the game on Instagram. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if you can make money doing that and, and live your life, I guess more power to you, but realistically to your, to your point, you know, getting out and being face to face with people, that authenticity and, and real person connection is going to be so much stronger than any Instagram follow or whatever. Agreed. So cool. Um, so what I like to do to kind of uh, transition us to the end here, I started, uh, I never had a good ending question. So I bought this game called Hot Takes and I like asking questions from it now. And it's basically like, kind of like Cards Against Humanity. It's just shitty points of view or like odd points of view. Okay. Um, and I just want to hear, you know, your thoughts on it. So the one that I pulled for you is uh, that using paper straws is pointless if you're still drinking from a plastic cup. Of course. I mean, right. I think the paper straw thing is good. We just haven't figured it out yet. We haven't quite got it under control. Like, yeah, know, it's always like, what's that meme is like, uh, well, it's biodegradable. Yeah, it was biodegrading in my cup. You know what I right. mean? Like, it's a good idea. But uh, what about the good old metal straw? That's way better. You know what I mean? Like the one yeah. yeah, people, you got those people that carry them around like girls carry around in their purse. That's cool. Yeah, but the paper straw. Just don't use a straw. Who really needs a straw that bad? Like, can we just put the even driving in my car? I don't use a straw all the time. You don't like... need a straw. No. I think here's my hot take: is that the world has put way too much importance on a straw. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, it's not that useful as we think it is. It it really isn't. You know, like obviously there are certain people that need it for sure. Yes. Uh, you know, different age groups or disabilities or anything like that. But realistically, realistically, we don't 80 percent of the population doesn't need straws. it. Yeah, no. we don't need to use as many straws as we think we do. We can just drink, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the second one that I'm, I'm going to do for you is uh, strict parents make for wilder kids. I don't know. I think it just depends on the kid. You know what I mean? Because, like, I think that it it certainly can because, you know what, like, at, at some point, you got to have parents that teach you the difference between right and wrong. But at some point, 
they're not going to be under your rule anymore. You know what I mean? And everybody's yeah. going to let loose a little bit and you yeah. got to find out for yourself. You know what I mean? So I think it, I think it really depends on the kid. You know what I mean? But I think if a kid is going to let loose, they're just going to let loose. Yeah. You know? And they got to yeah. find out for themselves. But I think, yeah, I will say, because if you do, if you're too pushy, they're just going to go that much harder whenever they get out on their own. For sure. And I think, you know, maybe a hot take on it. I don't know. Uh, I think to the flip side of that can be a, a problem as well, where like, if you're a strict parent and you've coddled your kids so much or protected your kids so much, they get out in the real world and it's going to eat them alive. Right. Like that first yeah. rejection or whatever, they're just going to crumble. Yes. Yep. No, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so what's the rest of 2023 look like for, for lost hearts? What's kind of in the, the works, the game plan, what can people expect? Yeah. So, um, obviously we're still in the studio recording songs. We got the third one all recorded. It just needs to be mixed and mastered. And, um, you know, we're going to keep releasing singles like we are about once a month, maybe once every six weeks. And, um, you know, we're going to keep doing that. And we have shows coming up. We're headed out this Friday. We're going to Detroit, opening for Gray White. And, um, you know, we're doing some shows like that with Buck Cherry and some others. We're doing some headlining shows here in Nashville. And, you know, we're playing all over the place. And I think the overall goal by the end of the year is probably to get on a tour of some sort, even if it's a short run. That's what we really want to do and just keep releasing songs and keep going like we're at you know i mean it's, it's very fresh and so i don't really know what where it'll end up by the end of the year i have my ideas but it'll probably be different right well that's what's the old uh you know tell the world your plan and and god will laugh in your face type of uh thing. Exactly. like i can yeah. have the best plan in the world but something's going to change so something's going to change and that's the thing i've learned is like it'll probably it's going to end up the way it's supposed to but I, uh, you just got to work hard and I think see where the cards fall. Yeah. But, you know, with some of the, the shows you have coming up, you know, later this month and going into like, uh, looks like June and July with doing some stuff with like puddle of mud and things, the, the amount of exposure, you guys are on the right path to, to really start hopefully gaining the, the eyes and ears, um, and be able to build that brand for yourself as well. Yeah, well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. And, you know, we're enjoying it and just looking forward to keep it going. Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, I'll, I'll link all the socials and everything, but what's the best way for people to find you online and, and interact? You can go to lostheartsband.com. You can find us on Instagram, Lost Hearts Rocks. And, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much if you look up Lost Hearts on anything, Spotify, instagram you'll find us be able to link up with us and uh yeah absolutely awesome man i appreciate your time uh looking at the schedule i might be able to make it to that uh louisville date i'm about an hour north oh, of great. indianapolis so that'd be that'd be about the closest you're getting to me right now but uh we'll see what happens there if i can make it i'll let you know and and you know i'm excited to see where this goes because uh for a young band uh both age and like band age, uh, I think you guys are really already taking off on a path that's going to hopefully, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am, hopefully become a very quick name that is getting recognized in the scene. 
Thank you, man. I, I pray to God that we are, you know what I mean? And I've, I've never had a quite the uh, response that I've gotten on this band. So I'm, it, and I don't, I think the other guys kind of share that sentiment in a lot of ways. And uh, well, I, I can only speak for myself, but that's the way I feel about it. And, yeah. um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to see where it goes. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. We'll be in touch for sure. And, um, you know, stay safe on the road. Josh, thank you, man. And let me know anytime you want us on the show, I can get the other guys. And, you know, yeah. anytime you want to talk, we're here for it. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely set something up. All right, brother. Thank you right. so much, man. Talk you to you soon. Yep. Bye. Bye. And that was my conversation with Max from the band Lost Hearts. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Huge shout out to him for taking the time to have that conversation. Um, as always, I'll link all the socials and everything. You guys can uh, jump over, give him a like, share, subscribe, follow, all that fun shit. Um, and check out this band because, again, even with them being new to the scene and only having a couple songs out so far as of this podcast going live... Um, it's already quickly becoming a project that deserves to have eyes on it. And uh, I think they're definitely poised to be in a position um, that is very quickly going to be a thing where you start going, you know, hey, did you guys hear that band that opened for Buck Cherry or whoever it may be? And it's quickly going to to be making waves on playlists and things like that. So, um, again, huge shout out to Max for taking the time. Definitely up to having the whole band in on a future episode. If you guys are up for it, uh, let us know in the comments um, and tell us, you know, that you want more content from them. So, uh, I think that's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. As always, I'll link all of our socials and everything as well. So if you could, you know, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or both. Uh, the podcast, anywhere you're listening to it, be sure that you subscribe. We are still pumping out a ton of new episodes. And if you look at the last several episodes, we've had some killer new talent on. Uh, some young bands, some... Bands that are, you know, in these really unique positions within their musical scenes to to pop off. And, you know, going back just a little bit further than that, we've had some bands that uh, are a little more experienced or a little more well-known in their scenes. And this year has been absolutely incredible. The last, you know, three years of this podcast have been insane. But the last year of this podcast especially, we've had some killer guests, some great new friends uh, join us, and there's just a ton more to come. So I really want you guys to be paying attention because there's dope shit on the way. Um, so yeah, that's everything for this week, guys. As always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene. <laughs>